Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Evening Rush Nation, it's just me tonight. Uh, flying solo. I'm going to shut my windows here while I'm live. And um, welcome to the new flagship show. Obviously, no Dan. Dan has moved over to Dynasty. If you missed last week's uh, big sort of podcast announcement, then... <clears throat> Go back and listen to it. Long story short, Five Hour College is coming back. Uh, Going to be headed by Simo from um, uh, British Fantasy Football League. If those of you don't know uh, him at all, and if there's anyone uh, else who's sort of trying to catch up, the Dynasty Show. Rich has unfortunately, uh, you know, we know Rich. Rich has moved to uh, open up his own shop. We're so pleased for him. And Liam has unfortunately decided just to move away from doing content uh, for the time being. And so while he's pulled away, he has decided that he's going to um, concentrate on his own things. Dan has moved over from the flagship show uh, hosting this to now he is responsible for uh, the Dynasty outlet. So we'll see some podcasts and content coming from him soon. College will be firing up very soon as well. Neil is recovering from uh, from his knee surgery that he had last week. So I thought before I started bringing in some guests, and then the other piece is that Stocks is going to come back. So if you saw the uh, intro, um, yeah, Stocks is coming back. He's coming back in a few weeks' time. Um, just still working out the days and logistics of that, but it's going to be really, really soon. So I thought um, before I get guests on, and we're going to do a lot of things over the next few weeks around rookie rankings and around what's going to happen with the draft, and we're going to cover this in a lot of details, I thought it'd be really good to give you my rankings, a bit of context as to where we are, where I am with this class, and thought that I would just go through and talk about uh, each of the four position groups, the skill positions. Uh, so brewed some fresh uh, decaf coffee um, because I can't drink caffeine. So because um, we're going to go through quite a bit of chat here. And I thought, well, it's just going to be me firing on and talking to you about 
this class and what I think it's possible uh, for it, and then just getting you ready for those rookie drafts. So looking forward to chatting through you. Please, if you have questions, fire them away uh, through the show. I'm happy to pick up as many as I can. Uh, I will be referring to notes. There's quite a lot of things uh, to go through as well. So normally when I do this and I have loads of notes, I'm always overprepared. Luckily, there's some gaps in between, but because it's me firing across the audio all the time, um, you might just hear small gaps as I'm just flicking through. But I am well prepared to talk about my rankings and players and looking forward to deep diving this in, in a lot more detail as well. And I think it's important to start with an overview view of this or an overview of this class. This class is it's good, not great. There's some exceptional talent. And I think this is a real class for from a dynasty perspective and from a rookie draft perspective. That if you're holding a top five, top six pick. I think you're going to get a player who's going to make a significant amount of difference into your league. Um, Superflex, maybe that goes a little bit deeper, not necessarily because of the quality of the quarterbacks, but because it will shift some good players down the board. You might end up getting to like the first sort of seven to 10 picks where you'll get an, an excellent player. And then I think after that, the class kind of falls off, I don't want to say cliff, but it definitely goes from being some really good elite talent to. Yeah, so-so. And then it really drops off to just mediocre. And I think really by sort of pick 18, pick 20, we're kind of in a much of a muchness uh, of players and I'm kind of not interested. So if I can acquire some veteran talent for high thirds, low seconds, I'm probably doing that with this class um, and move happy to move away from it because I think after you get to a certain level of player, kind of just picking guys, hoping that you break out. And there is a couple of sort of late third, fourth round guys I'd keep an eye on. Um, there could be some some actions, some steals there, but they're very much the exception and the rate of return is going to be rather poor, I think. So for me, I'm really happy. Sort of if I'm if I won my dynasty leagues or I was in the final my dynasty leagues, I'm kind of quite happy to trade out that late second onwards and get rid of those rookie picks and look to <clears throat> try and bring in some a veteran talent for that. So if I can get um, some veteran talent for a late second, players with a couple of years left on their contract, if I can get someone like a Robert Woods for a third, I'm probably really interested in, in doing that versus what I'm going to get in this class at that position, especially if I'm picking at the later end of rounds. If I'm struggling and therefore need to rebuild, this is a good class to rebuild from, especially if you've got some high value picks, especially the 101. But if you've got a few more, then I think you're in a good spot. And I think that's kind of where you need to settle now, because I think if you wait too long to try and shift these late picks, I think you're going to be a little bit disappointed in what you get in return. So you'd be looking at trying to acquire um, some players, especially, like I said, I think Robert Woods is a, is a good player to be targeting for a late third, maybe even, even later if you can package. If you're in a league with fourth and fifth round picks, I'd be definitely looking to shop those out. Um, I'd be quite happy to get out of a lot of this class because I think, again, as I talk about and I will talk about in detail, I think there's some some good players in here, but I don't think there's enough difference makers that are going to contribute either in the short or even to potentially the medium term. And listen, there's always players that shock you and surprise you. And I know people were really down on last year's class, but last year's class had some excellent running back ability and it also had some, some excellent wide receivers at the top. There were, you know, 10 really, really good players in last year's draft. I don't think I can say the same about this one. And then the problem was there was no supporting cast. It was kind of 
all good or all bad last year. Whereas this is, in some ways, it's almost worse because you've got some really good, then you've just got a load of mediocre. And there's a load of players who will excite certain players. Um, and that's probably good from a sense of a competitor standpoint. But for me, like I said, I'm probably in the camp where after about pick 1920, I'm probably out of this class. There's probably one or two players. If I can't get out of the picks, I'm quite happy to take. But there's not a lot. If I'm honest with you, I'm quite happy to just try and move on as, as much as possible. So I'm going to go through them position by position. There's some I'm not going to go through every player. But, and the reason why is I could, but I don't see the point. Um, I think, like I said, we're going to get to a point where it's just a much of a muchness and there's players that we just don't really need to talk about at every position. So I'm not going to go into too much detail with the players at the very bottom end. They're just players I have on, on a board. Um, but I'm quite happy to really not go into too much detail because... I either think they're not going to go in drafts or at the end of the day, I just think they're not worth touching upon in any real detail because they're not players you should be adding to your dynasty rosters unless something miraculous happens. And again, so the other thing I should caveat is obviously doing this before the NFL draft. We don't know landing spots. More importantly, we don't know draft capital. Now, everyone gets too hyped on the landing spot. The landing spot, I don't want to say it's irrelevant. It's not irrelevant, but it's not as important as people think it is. It's actually about what the team invests if a team is investing first-round capital in players, you know they're going to do their best to incorporate and make the best out of that. And it doesn't always work, but you know that there's going to be a significant pressure for that player to perform. And so, therefore, the draft capital is, is very, very important. And we're looking for those players that are going, you know, first round, especially top of first, mid first, even late first, and then top of second. And then you start to see that, that progression downwards. And then we know that players that are going after pick 64 – they start to see a dip and it's not always color uh, correlatory. Like we see lots of third round receivers be highly productive. There's still a lot of interest there, but we know that the further that they fall, the less interest there is. So um, draft capital will move these rankings quite significantly. And there's a few players that in here based on their combine performances and just based on some buzz, I think you're going to get some really interesting um views on on some of this where i think uh, actually we're going to get some players who um bots are in here uh we're going to get some players who are really going to go through and surprise where i've put them uh, i think and, and i think that's fine i think that's kind of what this is about and you want to check as many ranks as possible you want to buy rich callings uh rookie guide you want to buy as many rookie guides the um RFP dropped today, so that's uh, Matt Walden's uh, rookie scouting portfolio, um, and I'm you haven't read it yet, so that's something I, I do want to uh, get my hands on as as quickly as possible. So uh, I've got it, I've downloaded it, but I haven't read it yet, and that probably might change my thinking on a few of these because he's one of the best scouters in the business. And if you haven't uh, don't know what it is, uh, just search Matt Walden RSP. It's about eleven hundred page guide. But a lot of that is his uh, actual scouting notes and promotions and things like that. So it's well worth uh, going through. So uh, it's an excellent guide. Very, very good um, in terms of looking at talent and really analyzing this. I'm also at the bottom. I've created these banners. These are going to be um, for each position. I'm going to change it over so you can see the order that I'm at. But I've also got it on the screen here. So if you're listening to this um, podcast, uh, in, you know, in your podcast app, I am going to go through and talk about these. But I do have them on the screen if you want to watch it on video and if you want a copy of these drop me a dm I'm happy to send over uh, what my rankings are where they stand uh, as it stands today and then i'll update them uh, i keep them updated but i'm probably not gonna do another public version of this until after the draft um, because 
things will change with pro days a little bit, where you might see a little bit of movement. Not too much, I don't think. And then, uh, yeah, the draft, we've obviously draft capital. We will revisit these and see where we go. And also some of these rankings, I have put a bit of a predestined um, draft capital where I think he'll go uh, with certain players. But obviously, if a player starts to move down the board quite significantly, then that will change. So let's start with the quarterbacks. So I have CJ Stroud as my um, QB1. I just think for me, he's the can't miss prospect. And as much as I hate that phrase, it's kind of uh, true of him. He is a high, um, he's a high value prospect. He really has put in a lot of uh, stellar performances for Ohio State. And I've always been kind of critical of Ohio State uh, quarterbacks, but he really has been the best Ohio State quarterback I've seen in the last 20 years, probably beyond that. I mean, this guy's just absolutely phenomenal. You're talking about in the last two years, he's thrown 85 touchdowns and only 12 interceptions. You're talking about, you know, a 7.1 TD to interception ratio. You're talking about a completion percentage of just under 70%. He's got all the throws. He does have a good arm. Um, he's really good at getting the ball down the field. He's very accurate. Um, you're looking at a huge uh, touchdown rate when throwing the ball over 10 yards, which is amazing. Um, you know, 11% touchdown rate when throwing the ball over 10 yards is huge. And again, very good in the pocket. Um, 10 yards per pass attempt when, when in the pocket. Um, everything about him is just poise, the way that he plays the game. Now, from a fantasy perspective, the drawback to why you will see Young and Richardson above Stroud in uh, other rookie rankings is purely because Stroud isn't going to rush. He's not going to scramble. He's not going to give you any rushing yards. So there is a limit to where he's going to go. And then when you think about the type of team he's going to be going on to, which for me will be the Carolina Panthers, I'd be shocked if they move anywhere else. Um, lack of receivers he's going to be throwing to. It's going to be a difficult couple of years. However, for me, very similar to Justin Herbert in the sense of a player who I feel can adapt very quickly to the NFL has that footballing intelligence, has everything that you need from a prospect to be just immediately ready to go and put up productive numbers. And I think with that passing numbers, passing ability he's going to have, he's going to put up very, very, very good numbers. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be a top five at the position, but I do think he's he's capable of putting up QB1 numbers. Um, I don't think you're going to see him join the elite tier, but I do think he's going to be uh, highly productive at the position. So for me, I'm quite happy to take CJ Stroud at one with all of those passing metrics he's going to put up. Um, and like I said, with, with everything he's got, and he, he plays pretty mistake-free football as well. So quite happy with that. Um, then you've got Bryce Young. And I've got both of these players in, in the same tier. I'm really not splitting too many hairs uh, between them. I don't think that Bryce Young is as good a passer. I think I know Bryce Young is not as good a passer. Um, but what he does do is he just has this magic ability to make plays. I mean, he just gets out of the pocket. He moves around. I think he plays much better under pressure than probably any quarterback in this class. Um, you know, you're talking about back-to-back 3,000-yard seasons, which is highly impressive considering the amount of games. Heisman Trophy winner. Um, he just has the ability to win games on his own. He's got that very special ability, um, you know, can move around the pocket um, and he's got wheels. You know, he did scramble for, he's averaging about 300 yards scrambling uh, over the la- per season over the last two seasons. So he can give you a bit of a rushing floor uh, as well, not to the levels of a Lamar Jackson or, um, or Jalen Hurts, but definitely uh, enough to give you a, a bit of a safety blanket there. 
I think for me, the only questions I really have on Bryce Young is just, um, it's just passing on. It's not even passing on the move. It's just, um, he just sometimes lacks that bit of size. I think sometimes when getting the ball down the field, I think he will struggle uh, just a little bit. Um, if you look at his completion percentage going downfield, um, you know, it's less than 40% when throwing over 10 yards downfield outside the numbers, which is, which is quite low. It's it's we're talking about bottom five in this class. So there is an issue with him when he's on the move, getting the ball downfield and making uh, huge plays. But then again, how often is it that that's going to happen? And also standing in the pocket and firing deep, especially outside the numbers um, is an area of concern. I think you're going to see a lot more where he's going to try and create plays for the slot plays over the middle, try and run, run around, which, you know, will we'll be good, but again, you're thinking about um, big touchdowns, those 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns that can just, you know, win you weeks on your own. I don't think Bryce Young is going to give you as many of those as, say, someone like um, CJ Stroud, but what he will give you is rushing ability. So I think that's my only concern on Young, uh, but I do think he's a high level prospect. I'm quite happy to have him in the same tier. If you've got a preference of Young over Stroud, I understand it. For me, I just think Stroud is a little bit more polished and ready to go. Then we come to the talking point in this class, and it's Anthony Richardson. Now, I kind of have him here because I really am just not in on the rest of the class, more than I think that Anthony Richardson is actually good. Um, Anthony Richardson probably is uh, one of the, if not the most athletic quarterbacks that we have seen in the draft process for 20 years. And at the same token, there just aren't many guys that are like him that have been before. Cam Newton... Um, and Dante Culpepper are kind of about it. Maybe you can throw Michael Vick in there. There just aren't that many guys um, that have been like Anthony Richardson. And the way that he tested on his combine was was out of control. And I think at the same token, he what he has done is he set himself up into a store where he's going to be highly sought after and highly touted. And people are going to absolutely fall in love with the athletic traits. But for me, he's not demonstrated anywhere near enough. Um in his college game to warrant the kind of attention that he's had. And he's played a very minimal amount of games in college. He's started a very minimal amount of games in college. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's like 12, 13, 14 games. It's not, not a lot. This guy couldn't beat out Emory Jones. Who's not a great quarterback. Um, couldn't beat him out in his first year, you know, in his second year. Um, and then we see him last year, really struggle as a starter. Uh, very, very low completion percentage, under 60% completion percentage in his career. He has um, decision-making issues for me, um, really struggles to find open receivers downfield, tries to go into Superman mode and, and wins games on his own. It reminds me a little bit of Jameis Winston in that sense of just sometimes he sees the mist and, and it just goes. And I worry about his lack of experience. I worry about his lack of game-winning ability. And I worry about his lack of um, decision-making and, and just trying to do too much. And I think if he can get a coach that can rein him in and limit those mistakes, and I think he will be on uh, on on the way to being, you know, a decent level quarterback, I do think he's going to need to sit a year um, before anything happens. I think if you're drafting Anthony Richardson to be your first-year starter or to come in to be a first-year starter, I think you've got big problems as a franchise. And I think he could easily be set up to to fail. And so for me, I don't actually really rate Anthony Richardson all that much. Um, having watched him at Florida, I don't think he's a great quarterback prospect. I get the the athletic traits could make him absolutely nuts, um, and he could be. And the rushing ability is going to be huge. 
Um, and that's what's really kind of separating him. That's what kind of makes him an interesting QB prospect from a fantasy perspective. And I think he definitely is going to fit into this world where he is a much better fantasy QB than he is an actual QB. So for me, I get taking him third. I wouldn't spend in a one QB league. I would not spend a first round pick on him. I've seen him going as early as like the 103. And I think that's just wild. I get it. People think he's going to be a league winner. But this guy has a, a 1.6 TD to interception ratio. He, he has struggled to throw significant amount of TDs. You know, his, his completion percentage last year was 54.7%. That is amongst the bottom 3% of all quarterbacks since 2000 who have rocked up to the combine. That's that is how bad we're talking about he has been in college. Like that completion percentage is as bad as it's going to get. He is, in terms of the 15 combine invites, and some of these statistics are from Sharp Football Analysis, he was 14th in on-target rate under pressure, 15th out of 15 on on-target rate without pressure. Uh, sorry, under pressure was first of all, 52%. Without pressure, his, his on-target rate was 70%, which is just terrible. So no pressure. He's only making on-target 70% of his throws. That is horrendous for this level of caliber of competition. Because how many times are you going to get without pressure throws? Um, inside or inside the pocket is on target rate was 67.6%. That was last amongst all the 15, uh, 15 combined uh, invites. And then his best metric where he was on target outside the pocket, 55.6%. And he was 13th out of 15 for that. He just has very, very poor metrics, really poor in the red zone. Um, lowest of anyone, 45% uh, completion percentage inside the red zone. He just hasn't shown that he can handle significant pressure and it's only going to go up i know he played in a tough conference but Anthony richardson for me severe concerns um he's here purely on rushing ability alone and the fact that he has these athletic gifts that could make him decent but yeah i i, I won't be investing any draft capital in, in anthony richardson he's going to go far too high and it could work out i mean listen people were that high on jalen hurts and look at him now and that story could easily play out. And I think that's what people are hoping for. But it is hope because <laughs> he's definitely nowhere near as good as what Jalen Hurts was in college. Let me tell you that. Um, so we move to to Will Levis. Will Levis, who I have bef- I have below um, <clears throat> Anthony Richardson. And it's purely because Will Levis has a great arm. He has this profile that he could very much, you know, he gets comped to Josh Allen quite a lot because he's, he's a big guy with a big arm, right? Just Josh Allen was very different. Josh Allen actually pro- proved in, in college how good a player he was. Uh, he was a top seven pick. A team went up the board in the Buffalo Bills to get him. They went up six spots in the draft to draft him. You know, they believed in that guy. Um, I can't see someone really pounding the table that much for um, Will Levis. At the end of the day, he... Is really as much as he's got this cannon arm on throwing the ball downfield over 10 yards. No one had a lower on target rate than Will Levis, only 55%. He was worse than Anthony Richardson at throwing the ball downfield over over 10 yards. Um, and out, he was also last in, in uh, over 10 yard throws outside the numbers. Um, so getting it out wide 47%. So not great on the run outside the pocket. Um, not great at sort of just adapting uh, and trying to get the ball. He's not accurate going down the field. You can argue and sit there and say that his his receiving core is obviously not going to be as good as what he's going to get in the NFL, and that's true to a degree. But it's just a, that's why we look at the on-target rate. It's just so bad. It's not great at all. 
Um, the other thing is he really struggled against good opposition. So his stats are, you look at his stats and you think they're okay. They're not outstanding. They're not brilliant. But actually, when you sit there and took, take the fact that most of those were padded against non-Power 5 teams, um, non-Power 5, yeah, it's non-Power 5 teams. When you sit there and look at what he did, um, his completion percentage against non-Power 5 teams was nearly 70%. It drops to 64% against the Power 5, which isn't terrible, but it's not great. Yards per attempt uh, drops by nearly four yards. His touchdown rate splits in half. He goes from a 10% touchdown rate to a 5% touchdown rate. Um, you know, he just, everything starts to decrease when the level of competition goes up. And that's a big concern for me because the NFL is a huge step up from Power 5. So you're sitting there and I'm looking at, at Will Levis and I just don't see enough from Will Levis. Again, I think he's coachable. I think he's a good guy. I think character-wise, all those sorts of things are going to be going to be good. But I do worry about uh, the fact that he just doesn't make enough big plays. And then also on the other end, he takes far too many sacks. He takes far too many sacks. He does that in the NHL. In the NFL, he's going to get dropped because you can't afford that many big plays, that big negative plays. He had some huge negative plays uh, in his last year. And I think that's just, we're looking at what he's, capable of and he has some athleticism but you're looking at the big uh the big plays that he gives up through interceptions through taking sacks through negative yardage plays where he gets brought down behind the line of scrimmage and that's a huge concern and i think for me will levis is going to be one of these players that he's going to need to land somewhere to be good and then he's going to need to be given time to be good and i'm not sure he's going to get both let's talk to him being a top 10 pick i just don't see it i don't see him i mean it could happen but i don't see it i think if we looked at last year's class and everyone was mocking all these players to go in the first round and i think people looked at the desperation of it i think people are going to look at will levis and think no i i don't think i can see will levis even going in the first round i think if he does it's going to be mid to late first round but i i, I don't think he's a first round i mean He's not a first-round grade quarterback for me, at least. And I think he is a significant risk to falling out of the first round. And I think if he does, then this tier breakdown could break down even further and he could move back uh, significantly more. Which brings me on to my next prospect. It's Hendon Hooker. Now, we're looking at a prospect here. I've got him in the same tier. And actually, for me, I personally think he's probably a better quarterback than Will Levis. I think he's shown, um, you know, you look at his metrics, you look at what he did at Tennessee, and you look at the character, and I think all of a sudden, I think there were some really, really good points to um, to Hendon Hooker. We look at what he's uh, what he's done. You know, we're looking at the fact that he has got rushing ability. Um, you know, in his career, you know, he rushed for over two thousand yards on the ground, twenty five touchdowns on the ground. He threw fifty eight touchdowns in his past couple of seasons. Just the five interceptions. He doesn't turn the ball over. Decent um, yards per attempt. Uh, decent TD to interception ratio, decent completion rate, uh, percentage rate, uh, completion rate, sixty-seven percent completion percentage rate. You know that's decent. Um, <laughs> he's calling me a Gator Homer. I can't stand. First of all, I can't. I don't think Anthony Richardson's good, so I don't know if you can give me that. Until we're talking positively about a Tennessee quarterback, so we definitely hunt in that territory. Um, so for me, yeah, I'm looking at Hendon Hooker, and I'm thinking Hendon Hooker is definitely a player that if he didn't have these two red flags would be higher up the board for me. But these two bags are big. One, One's medium, one's big. Let's go with the medium one first. ACL. Coming off ACL surgery in December, right? So you had ACL uh, surgery in December. That means 
minimum, he misses six, seven months. If everything goes brilliantly and he is a medical marvel, we're looking at a six to seven month recovery time. That puts him right in the right in the window of uh, camp. So he's going to miss rookie camp. He's going to miss all that installation period. He's barely going to be walking through camp. I don't think you'll see him in preseason. So when you take all of this fact that he's someone who potentially is not going to play this year because he's not going to play in rookie camp, he's not going to get, he's not going to get to rookie camp, he's not going to do OTAs, he's probably not going to make the preseason. Realistically, he might make the tail end, but full contact after eight months of surgery, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it could happen. I'm the one that says, hey, don't just take the nine months as gospel. But at the same point, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he is going to be fully functional in uh, preseason. If he's not functional in preseason, you're writing off 2023 because he's he's not you know he's not taking first team reps at any point. He's going to be with the scout team, and he's taking second team reps wherever he goes. So that's the first concern. That's quite a big one. And then he's coming off an ACL. That in itself is always a bit of a worry, but not what it used to be. But at the quarterback position, is that affecting his mobility? What are we going to see? How how good is he going to come back from that injury? If you think about how wild people were about Tua and his injury, Hendon Hooker's injuries are a lot worse. And he relies on that mobility a lot more than Tua relied on his mobility. So we're sitting here and like we knocked Tua down board significantly because of his injury concerns and always being injured. Hendon Hooker is a far more severe injury and he's far more reliant on his mobility than Tua was. And yet people are still moving him up boards. I don't quite get that for me, but whatever. We'll let people make their own decisions. The second one, this is a huge one for me, is he is old. <laughs> He's old for a prospect, okay? Hendon Hooker is already 25. So he's already coming into the league, and there are quarterbacks, a number of starting quarterbacks in this league who have been here for a few years who are significantly younger than he is. So he's already quite an old player. Now you're going to add to the fact he's probably not going to play next year. So he's not going to play until he's almost 27, realistically, in the NFL. That is old. Then you add in the time it takes to adjust into the league. You add everything else. That is a huge red flag for me. How many quarterbacks enter the league at 25, 26 years old and go on to be a success? Forget the quarterbacks. It's just any position. It just doesn't happen. He's such a late declare to the NFL draft. He's so, so late. Late breakout, late declare. That's a huge concern because of the amount of time, especially at the quarterback position, we have seen generation talents, generational talents come into the NFL and take time to adjust. Trevor Lawrence. Um, Trey Lance, again, has not even really fully adjusted. Now, there's been injuries and all of this. But, you know, all these players, very rarely does a player really come in and truly knock it out of the park at quarterback. You get a few exceptions. Justin Herbert, very good in his rookie year. Um you know, Joe Burrow, very good in his rookie year. But even then, they weren't putting up these monster, ridiculous numbers. They continue to improve. When a player is 26, 27 before he's going to get on the field, and then you expect him to improve, he's going to get to 30 before we we sit there and think, okay, we're at this point now where he's now starting to get to the level he needs to be to be consistent. But he's already, I don't want to say he's in the decline, but he just doesn't, he's not going to have that many years. And that's a huge concern for me. I think the fact that he might miss this year because of injury, or he's at least going to miss the majority of it, that's huge. And I don't think enough people are talking about this. People keep talking about Hendon Hooker and what he did last year and, and that Josh Heupel offense. And, and yeah, it was great. And listen, he's definitely a very good player, but there are too many red flags for me. I've gone in with Levis because I do think he's probably a better quarterback than Levis, but those red flags are huge for me. 
And I think Levis at least is going to get the time to potentially, if he lands in a, in a half decent spot, I mean, Will Levis is, is going to be 24. So he's a year and a bit younger. But, you know, you look at these other three top quarterbacks, they're all 21 years old. You know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson are all 21 years old. So Hendon Hook has already given up four years to the rest of the class. It's a lot. It's a lot of years you're giving up. And I, I do concern myself slightly. There's talk he's going to be a first-round pick. I can't see it. I definitely can't see Hendon Hooker being a first-round pick. Not with the ACL. It's going to take someone to literally fall in love with him. Maybe think, okay, we'll trade up late and get the fifth-year option because we really love him. And that could happen, but I can't see it personally. I think he's a second-round pick. Uh, like I said, if if he didn't have the ACL, I think he'd probably go above Levis. But he does, and that's a huge thing. So um, I've got five other names on here. Bennett, Duggan, Toon. Uh, Hall and McKee, you don't need to worry about them. They're even going to go on draft. They're going to go very, very late. They're not worth any investment or, or draft capital at all. So you can kind of, you can kind of skip past them. They're not really overly uh, important uh, to look at from a fantasy football perspective. So that's where I've got them one to five. But for me, draft capital might move Hooker above Levis. I really can't see a lot of movement in the others. I do think the CJ Shadow is going to be the one on one, and that will keep him uh, where he is for sure. All right, let's look at. Uh, running backs. So no surprise I've got Bijan at the the, the, the 101. I don't think that's going to shock anyone. I don't think I need to probably go into too much detail about just how good this guy potentially is, is going to be. He's going to be absolutely um, phenomenal. You know, at this, this point, you know, he's still uh, quite young, still 21, so he's going to have time. He's just turned 21, so he's going to have time. But you're talking about seven yards per touch over three seasons. Um Probably the best prospect we've seen in the last five years, probably since Saquon. Um, you know, ridiculous. Last year, he had over a thousand yards after contact, which is just absolutely crazy. And according to PFF, he broke the record for the most missed tackles in a season in college, which is just phenomenal. Um, great receiving profile. Nothing is listen, he's just miles ahead of everyone in here in all formats. To me, he's the 101. Um, Having said that, the risk here on Bijan is his value is never going to go any higher than it is right now. You could probably trade your 101 for something extremely premium. And I always like the quantity of the known versus the unknown. Bijan could be anything, right? But if you look at Saquon Barkley's career and what you've got out of it right now, and you could have got two or three really big pieces for your team, you probably would have traded them. Um, like, you probably could have a few years ago could have got uh, Cooper Cup um, and a couple of other pieces for for Saquon Barkley. You probably would have done that trade, especially looking hindsight would have been better. So have a think about what your team needs. If you can get yourself two or three excellent pieces for the short, medium, long term for Bijan Robinson, I'm probably doing it um, just because I think his value is never going to go any higher. We know he's going to be the first running back drafted off the board. We know he's going to go in the first round more than likely we know he's going to go to a team and he's going to get a lot of opportunities but what if he what if he doesn't get as many opportunities as we expect what if he you know gets stuck in a backfield and he's in a competition or it takes a bit of time to get going what if he has a Liz Frank injury like Travis Etienne and he misses his first year hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Really knowing you're only going to get four or five really productive, highly productive years out of B. John Robinson. And you lose one of those to a Liz Frank or an injury, a freak accident injury. I get that's part of the game, right? And you shouldn't always think about the injuries, but Given a running back position, I, I yeah, I think if you can get some really good pieces, I, I probably would trade out because I don't think his value gets any better than it is now. I don't think he gets any higher than it is now. I think he'll be uh, an excellent player. Definitely think he can smash it. Definitely think there's nobody even close to him in this class. So, but I think yeah, if you can get yourself something really spectacular for for the price, I I would be looking to cash in. Um, right. So then we go to uh, Jamal Gibbs. Listen. Uh, John Gibbs is, is phenomenal. He's going to be a very, very good player. Any other year, he's probably the 101. Um, he gets comped to Alvin Kamara a lot. I don't really see that. I see more an Austin Eckler kind of profile with him. Great receiving profile, three down back, um, decent size. Really, everything about him is, is just absolutely class. Um, you know, he was getting over three receptions per game in college, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in the college game, that's quite significant. It rises. Uh, every single year of his career, um, you know, and also I think with what he does, he just has this ability to do uh, quite some. He's, he's quick, he, you know. You got to remember, he was also a kick returner in college, um, so he racked up a lot of returning yards as well. He really never left the field. He worked hard, didn't get that many injuries. I think for me, he's going to be a very, very high floor based player. In uh, PPR formats, he's going to get a lot of receptions. He's going to get a lot of work. I think for me, he's someone that I would be highly interested in acquiring. Again, like I said it's very similar to this Austin Eckler sort of profile. I think that's for me where uh, the comp is, is quite similar. So, uh, yeah, really interesting acquiring him. He for me easily in a tier of his own. Without Bijan, he'd be he'd be there. Um, so then we go to uh, Zach Charbonnet um, again, stuck in the timeshare to begin with. But actually, I think he he does really well when he breaks out. Um, I really like him. I think for me, really good downfield runner. Um, would have liked to see more receptions, but when you look at uh, the way that he could sort of break out and and have that home run threat, PFF said that you know over twelve percent of his carries went for fifteen or more yards, which easily led this class. Uh, even even no, sorry, he was second in this class to to Bijam. So you know he's got that home run threat. He's got that speed. Uh, he's got that ability to really sort of break out, um, break out plays. Gets a lot of first downs. Gets a lot of touchdowns. Um, nearly forty percent of his runs in last year were either a first down or a touchdown, which is highly productive, especially if you're in a league which scores first downs. He's going to get a lot of those. So uh, I definitely love, um, definitely love that. So. Mark H. Singh, yeah, absolutely trade away one on one in Superflex. And then Charles is number two. Yeah, I, 
I can understand it. I really like him a lot. Uh, I, I mean, personally, I have Gibbs. I just think Gibbs has a much safer floor, but I do think Charbonnet can definitely break things out uh, as much as possible. And I do think he's someone who has this great ability to, you know, find find the end zone. And yeah, especially if you're in a league with points per purse down, that could be a really interesting flip. Um, and I could probably be more swayed to switch uh, Charbonnet there. So look, I really like him. Great profile, great size. Um, it's it, you know he's got to get his draft capital is going to really determine where these two uh, land, but that's kind of where I am. Then for me, I think you're starting to see a sort of significant decline here. Um, once you take these three out, I, I have them in very very different tiers to most people, but really draft capital is going to move this so much. So I have Sean Tucker next, which is going to be controversial to a lot of people, but. Um, because of the fact he, he wasn't as good in his, his uh, last year as he was in 2021. In 2021, he, he amassed um, 1,750 yards and 14 touchdowns. He racked up 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns last year. Um, but he did have slightly less uh, opportunities and slightly less, you know, slightly less touches. And he's the size. People just don't like him because he's size. He's 5'9", 207. Um, and he didn't test at the combine, and I think that's why people were down on him because he's the fact he didn't test at the com at the combine. But I look at him and I think, in terms of what he can produce, uh, especially receiving targets, uh, really important in the passing game. He does get the ball in his hands. He is used exclusively on all three downs. His receiving profile from everybody else uh, down in this is better than everybody else. And I'm thinking of this from a PPR perspective. That's what most people play. I think Tucker has more paths to be relevant um, and a decent contributor than I think anybody else. Um, I, it is an absolute, um, and Mark sort of says it best here, it is an absolute lottery here. At this point, anything like this can move. I don't think the landing spots are all that significant unless you're really stuck behind a number of players. But yeah, I definitely think the draft capital is going to shake this out a little bit. But I, I do think Sean Tucker has probably the highest ceiling of everybody left. And that's kind of why I have him ranked here i think after that everyone here is kind of uh very similar so like after this i've got tank bigsby i like bigsby decent size um you know and that's what i do like about him again he's a bit more of a traditional sort of throwback um what i do also really like about him um really good on short yardage carries um and getting those sort of first downs and touchdowns 78.3 percent uh, which put him, you know, quite significantly highly ranked in this class of getting it from those short yardage or those uh, three yards onwards was getting those first downs, touchdowns. Um, and that's going to be significant. That's going to be his role because I can see him being a goal line back. So for me, Big Speed's the sort of player, if I'm sitting there thinking chasing touchdowns and touchdown production, getting those goal line carries, Big Speed's the guy I think now from everybody else who's going to get. If, if, if I can see anybody getting double-digit touchdowns from, uh, from Tucker, like from Tucker Bigsby downwards, Bigsby's the only guy I can see with a significant chance of getting double-digit touchdowns uh, in a season, unless he somehow ends up in a backfield on his own. I don't think any of these guys are going to be workhorses. I don't think any of these guys are going to be 250 touch players. I just don't see it. I think they're going to be 200, 200 plus, 200 maybe, maybe slightly more. Uh, maybe injuries and uh, clearing up backfields might help, but I don't see them going anywhere more than that and that's where this lottery is more of these are sort of like 1a1 one, well 1a 1b backs satellite backs third down change of pace backs uh two minute uh two minute offense 
uh, two-minute drill backs. I don't think you're going to see too much separation here. Um, that brings us to, to Chase Brown, slightly older. This is the knock on him. You know, he's coming in uh, 23 years old. That's quite old for a running back, uh, late developer. Um, so you're thinking about, I don't want a running back on my roster really over 27 uh, because unless the Derek Henry is probably the only exception to this rule right now uh, because they just really fall off a cliff. If you look at the statistics from age 27 onwards, the very rarely does a player become highly productive after that. So for me, the fact is I'm looking at him going, well, he's already 23. He's done at the end of his rookie contract anyway, but if he, if he even gets to the end of his rookie contract. So, yeah, a bit of, bit of an issue there with age. But I think other than that, you know, what I do like is he got a significant amount of his team's work, especially rushing yardage over three quarters of the rushing yardage. Um, he got nearly 40% of Illinois' total yards last season, which I think is amazing. Um 60% of his team rushes. So opportunity, you know, he carried the ball a lot, Chase Brown. He carried the ball 355 times last year. <laughs> I mean, the other concern is tread on tires. Absolutely could lose the tread on tires. Um, but I also think hey, he's not missed that many games. Um, he, you know, he's got decent speed, uh, decent explosion, a very good explosion score, actually. Um, 96 percentile explosion score. Uh, with his vertical and broad jumps. So he's got pace. I just really like, I think he's someone who could break out uh, and do something here. I've got him uh, behind Bigsby. I've got him ahead of Vaughan and, and uh, Akane. But, uh, you know, I think at this point you kind of throw a blanket over the rest. Akane is, is someone who, you know, was Akane's going to get a lot of publicity because of his 40 time, 4.32. It's it's not it's not everything. I mean, how often is a is a running back going to get to forty yards? Like that's my my thing. He's got good burst, uh, decent uh, reception profile as well. But you know, for me, five for eight hundred eighty eight pounds. That's a concern uh, for me. Uh, is his, is his shape um, and size? Is that, <laughs> I think he, he's got some ability, but you know, we've got to be a bit careful here. Um, you know, I like I like Deuce Vaughan. I think Deuce Vaughan he's he's a love or hate player. Um, I actually think he, you know, you look at what he's done production wise. Uh, I, I mean, 767 touches, 4,884 yards, 43 touchdowns. It's absolutely mental. Um, he, you know, he averaged nearly 24 touches, uh, per game, um, which is just absolutely mental. Um, so he, but again, tread on tires, but carried load of workload. Those three guys are very different. They've all, they're very similar in the fact they've all had huge workloads, all worked really hard, all proven themselves. But is there really any love here? And then we really start to drop off a cliff here with uh, Apicanda, Miller, Spears. Um, I've got Vaughn twice. I just realized that. This one's wrong. Um, I think that's why I had him and I moved him up. Rashawn Johnson's really interesting because he obviously played behind uh, Bijan and then that's, he's actually a good running back in his own right. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, with him. But I, th I think for me, I think once I get to, to to Roshan Johnson, I'm kind of done. I'm not really interested in taking Kenny McIntosh is probably the only guy I would sort of fourth round might spin up for a laugh and see what happens. Because I think there's just something about him I, I genuinely quite like. Uh, but for me, I, I, if I'm honest, I don't really want any of these players outside the fifth tier, except for Roshan Johnson. Um these guys draft capital, I think will be slightly too much uh, for me in terms of rookie drafts. I'm quite happy to take a punt on Rayshon Johnson because I'd like to see what he does when he gets away from, from B. John Johnson. Uh, 
uh, beat John Robinson, and then yeah, maybe Kenny McIntosh is a, a really late round flyer guy. Um, and that's kind of where where I am with those. Uh, let's get to wide receivers. I'm conscious of time here. I thought I'd be sort of done by now, and I haven't even got into it. Uh, this one's pretty easy in the sense of if you look at how I've got my my wide receivers here. I really want to only talk about the first three tiers quite significantly. And then the rest I'm going to kind of glance over because once we get past Jalen, Jalen Hyatt, this, this class drops. I mean, we're talking about those first six guys are real potential difference makers in their own right. And again, draft capital is going to change this slightly potentially after the first six guys, this really goes from having like a top three or four round, um, player in redraft if you think about like the standard of the class to like the 10th round it really does fall off a cliff and there's a couple of guys in here i root for and i think could do something the right opportunity with the right draft capital with the right landing spot the right coaching but it's going to take a lot they are going to be exceptions i think it literally goes from being highly um class top tier highly productive to contributors wide receiver fours at best flex plays at best on odd weeks. Like I don't think you're going to see a lot. And I think it literally goes like that so quickly. So, you know, Jackson Smith, uh, Nigme is, is definitely going to be the guy to, uh, to watch again, a huge year. I mean, we're playing, he, he was so good when he played with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I mean, this might be one of the greatest college receiving cores of all time. Um, and, you know, he's huge. I mean, people forget when Wilson and Olave set out of the Rose Bowl, he went off for 15, 347 and three. I mean, that's just absolutely nuts. Um, you know, and he posted in the in the seven games before that Wilson and Olave were active, the, the, final, the final seven games of that season before they set out, he posted 97 yards or more. So this guy was competing with two first round NFL wide receivers who broke out massively and were in running for rookie player of the year, rookie off offensive rookie player of the year and rookie of the year. And yet still he was highly productive. Like it, that's just nuts. Like how good this guy is absolutely cream of this class. Here. He's going to be phenomenal. Uh, look forward to seeing him break out. Having said that, um, let's look at Jordan Addison. So, you know, Jordan Addison for me is a guy I absolutely root for. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, for me, Jordan Addison is the reason that Kenny Pickett went in the first round. Like, he's the only reason he went in the first round. Because we saw Kenny Pickett last year he was pretty, I don't say average, but I mean, he was all right, but he wasn't great. If it wasn't for, if it, if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for Jordan Addison at Pitt, he absolutely would not have gone the first round because he made some spectacular plays that I think made Kenny Pickett look better than he was. And so for me, Jordan Addison's just got everything I, I love in a receiver. Um, he is small, like he's really, really small. But outside of that, I would say small. He's not, he's not that small, um, but he is 5'11", 173. Um, but he has got, you know, Decent, decent, decent uh, speed. He didn't test well at the combine. I think there's going to be some question marks about him. He didn't put up um, significantly athletic scores. And I don't think that's his game. I don't think that's a big worry. 
given the fact that he has produced so much in college, and given the fact that he has been as good a um, a good a player as he has, and he's produced, and he's got all the tape to prove it, I think that's going to help him enough to be fine. But and I think that's why I like him. I think I like him because I think people are going to be so down on him because of his combine. I think people are going to look at him and go, okay, well, he didn't do well at the combine, therefore he's not going to be great. And actually, I think, to be perfectly honest with you, I think, uh, bring it on. If he, if he slides down boards, I'll be delighted because I think he's going to give you everything that you need. Um, I just love players. He, he, he barely, he barely, barely drops a ball. Like, he, he had a 3% drop rate. I mean, that's phenomenal uh, at this level. Um, I just think, for me, he's got he's got everything I want. Um, would like to see maybe a little bit more from the contested catch. That That is one area for me that I think he does struggle, but I absolutely think... He, him alongside with Quinton Johnston are, are kind of like the best of the best. Um, Quinton Johnston is f- like an absolute machine. Like you talk about testing at the combine. He didn't even have to run. Um, but you look at his explosion score, the vertical jumps, the board jumps. He was phenomenal. Um, great athleticism. Um, he avoided 19 tackles according to PFF last year, which puts him second in this class. Uh, great uh, after the catch ability. He averaged 19 yards per reception in college, which is just phenomenal. And I get part of that is probably the level of competition he's playing against. Uh, but yeah, you got to remember he took, he, he took CCU to the like very very far, and I just think he's got so much ability here. He's he's a receiver that you just absolutely want to watch uh, more of. The only problem is he can be a bit boom or bust. He reminds me a little bit of Mike Evans. Like it's going to be feast or famine. He's going to have games where he's going to get um, fewer than 50 yards quite significantly. I think it was close to half of his games in college. He got fewer than 50 yards. So it's a bit like watching Mike Evans uh, <laughs> pro career to a degree. But when he goes off, he goes off and he'll be a, a league winner for you in those weeks. So it's definitely game week winner. So I absolutely love Quinton Johnson. I think those two guys sit nicely behind uh, JSN. And I'm quite happy with those three as a top three. I think these next three guys you can kind of put wherever you like. I think they're all interesting in their own way. I think they're all going to be good contributors to the NFL. And I think for me, these guys are, are guys I'm really interested in being in. So I, I you know, like for me, I've got Jay and Hyatt sixth. It wouldn't shock me if he's the next wide receiver off the board. I just think for me, he is so, so good. Uh, in terms of his ability to just make game uh, game changing plays, um, you know, with how that scheme he's come from, um, I just think for me he's he's just got everything that you kind of want to see. Four forty, uh, forty time, which is quick, highly explosive, especially given his size. Um, you know, he doesn't have that because he's such a good route runner. He doesn't actually have that many contested catches because he just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And he's such a polished route runner. I really like Jalen Hyatt. And I've kind of started at the bottom of this list, but I'm a big, a big fan of his. I've got Josh down. Uh, sorry. I've got Zay flat again. I could kind of put these guys anywhere. They're really all in a similar tier for me. Zay flowers, biggest knock is, is age. Like he's coming into this uh, age 23 uh, he's old. It's a late breakout. Um, someone you would have liked to have seen come in probably a little bit earlier. Um, he's a good slot receiver. Played uh, played in the slot almost a third of his snaps. Um, doesn't have a huge uh, yards per route run. 
which is a bit of a knock on him, but then I guess you get that from being in the slot. Um, but in terms of, for me, you know, what he does have is, you know, this great ability in terms of the amount of receptions, the amount of workload he got. He got, you know, he had 30% of his team's receptions, uh, 36% of their receiving yardage, uh, 57% of their, their touchdown catches. Um, and, you know, for me, he ran a lot of routes. Uh, I think he ran the most amount of routes of anyone in this class by quite some distance. Yeah, there's going to be some concerns. Athletics, you know, his athletic profile isn't absolutely brilliant. But in terms of, you can see him as a slot in the in the NFL. And I think he's going to, going to be really, really good here. Um, then you've got Josh Downs. Josh Downs, again, he's definitely a slot receiver here in the NFL. Uh, he's going to be really, really good. Um, significant amount of receptions. I don't think any player had more receptions than him uh, last year in the, in college. Um, 12.3 yards per reception, which is, um, you know, again, very decent uh, given he's from the slot. Uh, you know, for me, I, what I do like about him is he's just got the ability to beat man coverage. Um, he's very, very good at beating coverage again, polished route runner. I think he, for me, what he does need to work on a little bit is just getting a little bit better at uh, not so much at the contested catch, but actually just beating the guy on the line. That's the thing that kind of shows out. But Josh Downs, I can see him going to somewhere like Carolina, putting him in with CJ Stroud, and I can see that partnership working quite nicely. Um, and I think he's the sort of player that staying in state would work well, but I see potentially if I'm looking at the, so I think those first three guys will be first round picks. If I'm looking at the next three, Josh Downs is the guy who would probably bet to be the next uh, first round pick to sneak in there at the end. Um, but I can see players falling in love with Hyatt and I can see players potentially oh, coaches falling in love with, with flowers. Um, then you got, then you got Butte. So someone's saying he's criminally underrated um, needs to be straightened out. <sighs> yeah. I think he's got this this tag of being underrated because he's a former five star recruit, and then you've got the the injury, um, and he's young. So at the end of the day, he has got loads of time on his side. I just think for me, he was very very bad at the combine, and that kind of says to me when you're that bad at the combine, how much of it is nerves and how much of it is you just didn't do your, you just didn't do the work. He strikes me as the type of player that just didn't do the work. And that's, I've got him at the top of this. So I draw a line under Hyatt and say, these are the guys I'm just not overly interested. There's there's one or two guys. Um, but I do think for me, there's two guys in this group that I think could rise into a, a, a different tier. Butte is one, but you're right. I think he needs to have a significant jump up. That significant jump up is going to have to be coaching. I think he's going to be a very slow starter. He's someone who's going to need a, a significant amount of help to get to where he needs to get to. I don't think he's going to produce it straight away. Um, and I think he's going to have to change. He's going to need senior guys in the locker room to help him because um, he is so young. He's going to have to adapt. The other player I absolutely uh, think can separate himself as two. Um, the first one, Cedric Tillman. He's coming off injury. Um, and because of that injury, he went back for a fifth year. Now, when players go back, I'm always slightly concerned, but when it's injuries, like he backed himself to go back after injury to then come through and, um, 
for his career, and then he got injured again, um, and that's the risk of of going back. Um, but I do think Tillman is the sort of player. The injuries are the biggest knock on him. If he can stay healthy, then he is someone who who, who will be productive at the next level. Um, but it is a case of he could have had one too many injuries. Uh, but if you're playing the game of he's someone who's going in the third round in rookie drafts, I'm more than happy to take. I'm looking at what is available in the third round of rookie drafts. Really, for me, Tillman is the value because I can see him with his profile and the way that he has played with the pro offense that he's come from. It's not going to take him a huge amount of adjustment to get into uh, an NFL scheme and be a highly productive receiver in the right fit and the right scheme for him. Injuries is going to be the big question mark. I'll spend the third round pick if I can't get rid of it for for Tillman because I think he's got that ability. Um, Marvin Mims is another one. So Marvin Mims, um, for me, it's just it's just not as good as the guys ahead of him for for what he is. Like he's another. <coughs> he's just someone you know. He's a burner. He can get downfield. He's coming from a good school in Oklahoma. He's playing the pro offense. Um, you know, 17 air yards per target is really impressive. 36.7% of his targets were on throws that were over 20 yards downfield. So he is that sort of burner. He can break the field. But as we've seen in classes go by, these guys aren't great for fantasy football. <coughs> Please excuse me. So unfortunately, my problem with him is I can't see him being highly productive because he's not as good as players who have been that big vertical threat in previous years and they haven't been that productive i mean what i'm kind of looking at him is thinking if everything breaks right for him he is going to be a wide receiver 40 and i'm just not that interested in having a player like that on my roster i think if if he can break the lines enough and if he can get enough of those sort of three for four for 100 and 15 and one or two days and he can get enough of those in the season that makes him a difference as a flex play most weeks that's where he'll have value and that's where there is some some interest in me and to be honest i've got him above tillman i think i'm probably going to revise that i'll probably put tillman above him and i think the only reason i've got tillman there is the injuries but actually i think i'm probably going to be less scared of the injuries because i think mims's path to fantasy relevance is going to be unless he ends up on a team where he he's going to get a lot of deep balls i can't see him putting up enough consistent fantasy weeks to be productive. That's my big concern with him. Everybody else on this list, I mean, Rashi Rice is someone I've not really covered yet. He's someone who I think, uh, again, could have some some interesting uh, some interesting times. But And I like the fact he's come from SMU. They didn't tend to produce quite good wide receivers when they are this high in the class. Not the quickest guy, uh, but he is explosive. Um, he does have decent I mean he has decent ability like in terms of getting downfield um hasn't played much in the slot be interesting to see where they where they project him to be I think he's next whether or not they're going to play him in the NFL as next it remains to be seen partly just due to his size um but it'd be interesting to see what happens with him you know 61204 he's, he's kind of that classic x size for me so I'd like to see him being X, and I think he's someone who could potentially again looking at uh, that sort of tier four. They're the last players that I find kind of acceptable in this class, uh, with the potential of going up and doing something. 
I draw the line on, under Rice and go, yeah, I'm just not interested in in really anyone else below this line. There just isn't anyone else that kind of does it for me here. I've kind of got them in, going down in tiers of one, but even Jaden Reed, I'm not overly overly bothered about. Um, so where I'm kind of sitting is if I can't get one of these first six guys, you're probably taking a punt on someone in tier four, but I don't really love it. Like it is a it is a gamble, and I wouldn't want to draft them too high. After that, I'm probably not interested at all. I'm going to blitz tight ends. They're not really that interesting other than the top three. I've got them all, or top four, sorry. I've got Mayer over Kincaid. Um, some people have level, level. Some people have Kincaid ahead. I kind of just think Mayer's done enough for me um, over time to prove that he's a great tight end prospect. Um, but we know that these guys are going to struggle to contribute uh, fairly quickly. But I do think Mayer can line up anywhere. And I think with his receiving profile... Uh, is good enough to 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 go anywhere. Um, Kincaid, I think, is interesting. Uh, Washington and Musgrave. I would watch out for Sam Laporta. I have him kind of in this uh, tier four or six. He might be sort of my really late round guy, unless someone else falls in love with him. Uh, I just think I would produce really good tight ends, and I really like them. Um, I'm going to spend too much time on here. I, th- I think you can draft any of the first four, maybe even any of those guys on there, but I, th- I wouldn't overpay. Um, Mayer's going for like a late first, early second. I'm not sure I'm paying that, but uh, I mean, I've done mock drafts where I've taken him depending on team need. And to be honest, the way that the tight end position is flaming out, maybe you want to gamble. I, I think anything after it's a hard one. I don't think I'd pay the first on him, but then I look at the players that you could be getting there and at the end of the first. And if you're not taking quarterbacks, then yeah, I probably not. I look at those six wide receivers. I look at the, the first four running backs. They're the 10 players. They those ten easily go over Mayer for me. I'd probably look at CJ Stroud and Bryce Young if I needed quarterback would go over. And then and then for me it's the decision of do I gamble on someone like Anthony Richardson over Mike Mayer? You're not gonna have to make that decision because people are gonna draft Anthony Mayer like uh, uh Anthony Richardson at like the, the one oh three for you and then that decision will be gone. So I'm looking at at, at Mayer at sort of like the top of the second is is okay for me. I think anywhere there, I don't think I'm paying the first round. Uh, for Mayer, Kincaid and Washington, I'd say sort of mid to late second, if they're getting there, um, would be the sort of price I would pay on them. Uh, if not, I'll try and see if I can get uh, Laporte. Laporte is the one that really interests me. I think, you know, looking at the IRA background and, and the tight ends that they've produced in the past, he's someone that I would be really interested in seeing. Um, if you can get him in like the fourth round, he would interest me significantly um, as taking as a late end flyer. But Again, we know with the tight end position, these guys aren't going to make huge amounts of difference. There's no point looking at them as generational talents. There's no point looking at them as difference makers. We've seen this with Carl Pitts, who's probably the best tight end we've seen in college over the last 10 years. Didn't really, still hasn't really done it. And you could sit there and blame the quarterback position or whatever you like, but the, uh, and the quarterback play, but it doesn't matter. It's, it is what it is. Um, I think that this class is better than last year's class. I think that you'll see Mayer and Kikade and maybe Washington be somewhat productive, but I think it's going to take some time and I think you're going to have to be slightly patient on, on that. Um, but that's going to conclude my rookie rankings. Um, hope you've found it useful. I'm happy to sort of share them out with you. Um, I might move Tillman up before I share them out. Uh, I, I just think I'm probably slightly higher. This is what happens when you verbalize your thoughts out loud and you're talking to people. Um, I'm doing a show like this. Um, if you 
I've I've done the pod more from a video perspective, so do log on and see it. But yeah, if you're listening along, why don't you um, get to the work? Well, hopefully, you've asked for the rankings and can listen along with the rankings on the screen. I'm happy to share them out to anybody. If if someone wants a, a copy, then just let me know and I'll um, yeah send you send you a copy. Uh, that's going to do it this week. Uh, next week, I will have a guest. Um, this is just a solo pod. I I just thought as we're going to talk about rookies over the next few weeks, I think it was important for you all to understand what my feelings are in this class, where I've got players. I want to hear dissenting opinions. I want you to cheer for a guy. I want you to, to say I'm too high on someone, too low on someone. It'd be really good to hear the debate and see where people uh, are lining up. Um, I learn a lot from those discussions and I probably might even make changes based on them. If someone can convince me to uh, make some moves, then I, I definitely will give credit as well. Um, but thanks very much uh, for tuning in. Um, if you haven't subscribed to my brain dump, do that. I've got content coming out every day at the moment on or every weekday, not every weekend day, but coming out at the moment on that. So do check that out. Um, there's some cool stuff going on there and some old previous stuff on there about like value-based drafting that, um, people have been asking before recently that have gone back and read it and gone, Oh God, that was really useful. So, uh, do check that out. Uh, stocks will be here in a few weeks. Uh, next week I have a guest. We'll do more rookie chat. Uh, we'll push the conversation on. We're going to get ready for, uh, draft season it is april it is easter next week so if i move the day i will get some notice but I might still record on easter monday uh is bank holiday here um which means we're not working but i hope to hopefully still do a show um that's the plan as it stands right now but we'll see how we get on um people have been asking about my health i am doing better um still trying my best to recover and, and do better but yeah I, I feel much better than myself so that's always uh, good and appreciate all the well wishes and messages that I've received. Um, really humbled by the messages that people sent to me uh, about the changes and stocks coming back. And that's amazing. Um, I hope people enjoy the new content we're going to put out. Uh, I hope people really enjoy uh, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks and months for the rest of this season. I can't wait. Um, I know others can't wait either but i hope you found the show useful uh this will be the last time hopefully in a while unless you subscribe to the patreon where you'll hear me just talking uh at you for an hour uh but appreciate the interaction uh from people and appreciate all of you for getting in touch and i look forward to hearing from you all over the coming days and weeks about rookies and questions and all of this but until then uh, as always rush nation don't forget keep rushing I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.